1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 17 to 24. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Were you a bondservant when you were called? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. For he who was called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freed man of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when called is a bondservant of Christ. You were bought at a price. Do not become bondservants of men. So, brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. In the early years of Billy Graham's evangelism ministry, a notorious Los Angeles gangster named Mickey Cohen went to one of his meetings. Uh, He didn't make a commitment that night. Um, But a while later, a friend of his who had become a Christian shared his faith with Mickey. And at that point, he agreed to ask Jesus into his life. But the problem is, Mickey Cohen's life, the life of a mafia boss, it didn't change at all. Um, He just continued on as the mob boss of LA, like he'd always been. And when his friend confronted him about it, he said, well, you didn't tell me I'd have to give up my work, and you didn't tell me I'd have to give up my my friends. He said, there's Christian athletes, there's Christian businessmen, there's Christian movie stars. Why can't I be a Christian mafia boss? Um, When anyone becomes a Christian, there's always stuff in our lives that is rotten, and we need to get rid of it. Uh, There's always stuff that we have to give up, but not everything needs to change. To an extent, Mickey Cohen was right. As a general principle, becoming a Christian shouldn't mean that we need to change our job. Uh, The only reason we'd ever really need to change our job or our employment is because we have the kind of job that puts us in a position where we'll be required to do wrong and where we'd be required to break God's commandments, such as being a gangster or a drug dealer or a hitman or a Ponzi schemer. So if you're a burglar, maybe you need to change your career. Uh, If you're a con artist, maybe you need to change your career too. If you're a jihadist, yep, you too. But most of us, we don't need to change our career. You know, sometimes for people who are on the outside of the church looking in, uh, and they're wondering about this whole God thing, and they get this feeling, well, God might be calling me to something here. But then they also feel... But I don't, I don't fit the mould of, of what a Christian is like. I don't have the right sort of job. I, I don't have the right sort of friends. I, I don't have the right sort of upbringing. I don't have the right sort of pastimes. I'm not a religious person. I, I just don't fit the mould. Well, you don't need to fit the mould. There is no mould. Um, a lot of the perceived image of, of what a Christian should be like is actually quite false. When I lived in Dolby... Um, I used to be involved in the, in the local pistol club, as I am now. 
And we were running an open shoot one weekend. It was only happened once a year. And, and I was there, and they wanted people to help out. And I said to the club, look, I can be there Friday afternoon. I can be there all day Saturday. But when it comes to Sunday, I won't be able to get there until about 11 o'clock in the morning because I've got commitments at church Sunday morning. And likewise, I said to the folk at church, look, I'm going to have to rush off straight after church today because I've got to get out to the pistol club because we're help I'm helping out there with the annual shoot. And it was really weird. The response I got from a few folk in the pistol club was, you shoot and you go to church? And the response that I got from a few folk at church was, you're a Christian and you shoot? And for me, it was sort of like, why would you ever think that the two were incompatible? I mean, when I used to live in Gundawindi, I'd often shoot all Saturday night and I'd take a, a load of roos and pigs into town on the Sunday morning. Um, and our church, it had a shower in it, so it was very convenient. I'd, I'd go to the box, drop off the roos and the pigs, and then I'd go, go to church. I'd have a shower and I'd get changed and all, I'd be all nice and clean and sparkling. But parked right out the front of the church was my ute covered in blood and guts and flies. And for me, that was normal. Although one Sunday it did get a bit awkward because there was a combined church service and we we're actually at another denomination that Sunday and somebody got up to pray. And I don't know, they must have been a greenie or something because they prayed against those who kill animals for profit. And that's exactly what I'd been doing the night before. Um, sometimes people get strange ideas about what a Christian should be like and about what sort of a person should become a Christian and what a Christian should or shouldn't do. And sometimes it's just a nonsense. So... When anyone becomes a Christian, sure enough, some things, actually a lot of things, need to change in our lives, but not all things. This is what Paul said. He said, let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Yeah, sometimes we get an image of a division, a great big dividing line between right and This type of person is a suitable type of person to become a Christian, and this type of person is not a suitable type of person to become a Christian. And Paul gives us a couple of examples. He first talks about religious divisions. Some of us think, hey, I'm not religious enough to become a Christian. Well, when the Christian church was first getting going, Christianity was a new thing that God was doing, but it, was, it had grown out of the Jewish faith. Right? Jesus was a Jew. All of the apostles were Jews. And yet it was the Gentiles, it was the non-Jews who were more open to the gospel. And it was the Gentiles who were giving their lives to Jesus. But then along came the Judaizers. Now, if I had some suitable sound effects here. I'd like something very low and rumbling, maybe a deep shallow or something like that, and put out a to make a noise of, of ooh, something bad's happening here. Along came the Judaizers. These people are people who went around churches telling all these new Christians, hey, if you want to become a Christian, first of all, you've got to become a Jew. You've got to do all of the, keep all of our religious rules and regulations. For a start, you've got to get yourself circumcised because for them, circumcision 
was the religious ritual that marked these people. Okay, I'm religious. I'm one of God's people. But Paul very clearly said, no way. Being circumcised or not being circumcised isn't going to make you any better off in, in God's eyes. That's all just unnecessary guff. Well, that's not exactly what he said. That's just a paraphrase. But, but what he said was, if you were already circumcised when God called you, no problem. You don't have to go and have reconstructive surgery to try and get your little flapper skin back. And if you were uncircumcised when God called you, no problem. You don't need to get circumcised. He says, for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Being a Christian has nothing to do with fulfilling religious ritual or even beginning as a religious person. Um, as part of my training for the ministry, I had to do a field year in a church in the suburbs of Brisbane. Uh, and our church, it wasn't very religious. The minister didn't wear robes and stuff. The service was pretty similar to, to our services here. You know, um, we, it was reasonably informal. And I visited this lady once and she said to me, look, as you know, I, I haven't been coming to church long. and." And I'm really enjoying this low church type atmosphere. It's not very religious and stuff. I think if I went to one of the big inner city churches, I just wouldn't handle it because I wouldn't know anything about what they were doing, any of the religious stuff. But then she, and I said, oh yeah, okay, that's all fair enough. But then she went on to tell me that her plan was that she's going to attend our church for two or three years until she felt that she was prepared enough to graduate and to go into the big inner city churches where they did do all of the religious stuff. The ministers wore the robes and the congregations repeated chants and maybe there might have been a few smells and bells thrown in for good measure. And I was a bit perplexed. Her view was this sort of Christianity was baby steps. But then when I can become a true Christian, you know, I'll graduate to being a more religious person. And I had to explain to her, hey, it's not about religious ritual and about graduating to a higher degree of religion to make us a better Christian. What it's about, all it is, is different people worship in different ways. Some people worship in a different way to what we worship here. Now, that doesn't make their worship wrong, but nor does it make it any better. As Paul said, being circumcised or uncircumcised counts for nothing. What counts is whether we keep the commandments of God. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. And this goes for social divisions as well. Uh, we know there's social divisions in, you know, in our town, in our world, don't we? Big divisions. Um, I don't know how it's ever come to this point. But often the perception is that those who fit best into a church are middle-class professionals. Uh, I would have used to have said white middle-class professionals, uh, but you go into the city churches today and you'll see a lot of Asians and, and all sorts of um, people there. So I just say the perception now is that those who fit best into a church are middle-class professionals. But why do, why do people think that? Who did Jesus call 
Jesus called rough, salt-of-the-earth fishermen. He called despised tax collectors. He called crazy zealots. Um, so if you're rough, despised or crazy, you're just the sort of person that Jesus is going to call and welcome. Um, and, and the people that Jesus hung out with and the people who followed him were some of the most desperate, lonely, lowly nobodies. The lame, the blind, the crippled, the leper, the prostitute, the poor, the hungry. How did the perceived picture of what makes a Christian ever become middle class professional? It's just nonsense. In Christ, there is no social divide. You know, in Corinth, there was a much bigger social divide than what we have here in St. George. Um, what, what kinds of social divides do we see in St. George? You know, we might have the irrigators versus the stockies. We might have businessmen versus the wage earners. We might have professionals. We might have tradesmen. We might have the unemployed. We might have the labourers. We might have those on welfare, whether they be white or whether they be Murrays. And we might look on all these social divides and, and think, well, I'm from this segment of the community and therefore I don't really fit the mould of what a Christian should be. What a nonsense. How about this for a social divide? In Corinth, and in fact in this church in Corinth that he's writing to, there were slaves and there were slave owners. In the one church. You think we got social divides. How about that? There's people who owned people and he, people who were owned by people. And Paul says to them, were you a slave when you were called to follow Christ? That's not a problem. You'll fit right on into the church. It doesn't matter that you are a slave. Oh, if you get the opportunity to gain your freedom, well, that's a good thing. And you will be freer to serve God. But it's not essential. In fact, he says, we're all slaves to Christ anyway. In the church, there is no slave or free. You know what that's telling us? There is no social divide in any manner. We've all been set free from sin and we're all slaves to Jesus Christ, whether you're a slave or whether you're not. It doesn't matter what band of the social strata we come from. In Christ, we're all one, we're all equal, and we all fit. So the general principle is, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. And the two most important words of this whole passage are those last two, with God. The point is, we don't have to fit a certain mould to become a Christian. God calls us as we are. We become a Christian and then we bring God into that world which is ours. And so in the church, it doesn't matter what you are. Are you a tradesman? Well, you don't have to go off to university and become some kind of professional. If God has called you to be a tradesman, well, you be a tradesman for God. And you be the very best and fairest tradesman that you can be for the glory of God. 
And every day that you go to work, know that you are working for God and you take God with you into the workplace. Are you a labourer? Well, that's no problem. If God has called you to be a labourer, well, you be a labourer for God and you take God with you into the workplace with you. Are you a business person? That's no problem. You stay a business person and you take God with you into your business. When someone becomes a Christian, God comes into their life. He comes into our whole life. There is no area of our life that God can or should be shut out of. And so we bring God into our work. We bring God into our family. We bring God into our friendships. We bring God into our social life. We bring God into all of our relationships. See, we don't leave all of these things behind to go to God. We stay connected with all of these things and we bring God into them. And this this is all part of God's purpose for his growing kingdom. You know, you might think, oh, yeah, this old life of mine, that doesn't, there's not not really any Christians in there. Uh, So therefore I've got to get out of this kind of setting and get into this setting so that I can be the Christian that God wants me to be. But you know what God needs? He needs you to be a witness to those from your old world. And so you take God and you take your new faith into all of that your world entails. And once we are with God, God will show us if anything needs to change. And there will be things that need to change. Not everything can stay the same. And so the gangster should leave his life of crime. Uh, The lazy should get a job and work for a living. The addict should be set freed, set free from his addiction. And the sinner, which is all of us, should repent of our sin. There is stuff we need to get rid of in our lives and God can help us with that. But way too often, extra barriers and extra burdens are added that just don't matter. What type of person would make a good Christian? Anyone who knows they need a saviour. That's all. We come as we are. We leave behind what's filthy and rotten in our lives. And we allow God to work on us from there. And we bring God into the world in which we exist. So that's the general principle. In whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. But, as with last week, there are also exceptions to that principle. Sometimes God does give a specific call to someone to leave behind their old station in life. He does this when he calls people to serve him in a new way. Jesus called Peter and his brother Andrew, come, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And they did leave their nets straight away. He called James and John and they left their boat, they left their nets, they left their dad. Um, me, God called me away from my 
I guess, work in the rural industry and my dream and desire to one day again be a farmer. Um, and so because of that, I sometimes think of Elisha. Elisha was ploughing with 12 yoke of oxen. Now, that's a massive tractor, right? 12 yoke of oxen in its day, that would be the biggest tractor around, I reckon. And Elisha got a call to go and be a prophet of God. So what did he do? He sacrificed the 12 oxen there in the paddock and he cooked them up by burning his plough. Now, that's really saying something, isn't it? What was he saying? Hey, God's called me and I'm leaving the farm behind because God's got something new for me now. And so the general principle is, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. No one has to fit a specific mould to become a Christian. Whatever family you come from, whatever social setting you come from, whatever occupation or strata of society you come from, if that is where God has called you, remain there. This is who you are. And as disciples of Jesus, we take God into that world in which we're involved. Let's pray, hey. Heavenly Father, what, what an extraordinary message of, of grace that we hear this morning. Lord, I guess sometimes for some of us, we, we might just feel we're just so much not what God, not the sort of person that God would call. Lord, when we look to the scriptures and we see the type of people you did call, we all of a sudden realise we're exactly the sort of person who you would call. And Lord, we just pray for forgiveness for the times when we've tried to separate ourselves from the world so much that we haven't maintained the position that you've put us in. You've put us there for a reason and we, and we now see that the reason that you've put us in the position that we're in is so that we can take God into our world in which we live. And Lord, I just pray for us as a church, Lord, that we would, that we would do this more and more, that, that we would just increasingly become the type of people who, who don't try and shut ourselves off from the world around us, but instead we would be the type of people who take God into that world. That as we live in this place in which you've called us to be, that we wouldn't be shy, that we wouldn't be embarrassed, and that we would be the type of people who would invite. Say, hey, I'm a Christian. Are you interested in finding out a bit more? Come along. Lord, what, what an amazing blessing this is that you would use even us as your evangelists in this place. Amen.